This is Ken Forster, Executive Director of Momentum. Welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momentum, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative as always. We welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to another edition of our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm pleased to host an industry investment veteran, Dr. Frank Clemens, the former managing director of DuPont Ventures. Over 29 years, Frank worked closely with the DuPont business to capture new and strategic opportunities, primarily in IoT, machine learning, biotech, functional food additives, as well as electronics and imaging, and construction and transportation solutions. Prior to this role, he was director of licensing, helping startups develop and commercialize DuPont licensed technology. He currently sits on the board of directors and advisory boards for several startups. Frank received his PhD and master's degree from Purdue University in the area of bio and organic chemistry. He received his Bachelor of Science degree in chemistry from John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio. Frank, welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast. Many thanks, Ken. Uh, it's truly a pleasure to be here and having the experience to um, discuss what I've done in the past. And I'm looking forward uh, to a great discussion on lean partnership. Absolutely. And so that is really the byline for today. And I think of a phrase and uh, a process that you've really uh, coined. And so I'm looking forward to the conversation as well. Um, I know you and I had a chance to interact a bit. Uh, while you were at uh, DuPont looking at uh, potential co-investment opportunities and such. So this um, podcast has been uh, probably long overdue, and I appreciate you finally taking the uh, the time for us to be able to do it. So let's, um, let's start with your professional journey. Uh, tell us a bit about your background and how it has informed your views of digital industry. Yeah, as you stated, you know, I started at Purdue, a uh, great chemistry school, and, uh, you know, from there uh, ended up at DuPont, which, you know, I really, um, really haven't, you know, you know, enjoyed the entire uh, process there, uh, my experiences there. Um, but along the path, you know, I had a very diverse, uh, you know, set of experiences, you know, from, you know, bench science to project management to licensing all the way up to, um, uh, you know, t- uh, you know, the venture world. And, you know, during all that, you know, one thing I always wanted to be was more efficient and more effective uh, in what, you know, the data uh, presented to us. And, you know, that was hard, you know, and some of the digital solutions in the 90s and the early, you know, 2000s weren't really there as they are now. And so, you know, for me, you know, digital solutions, you know, that help us really, you know, deep, you know, deep, uh, you know, dig deeper uh, in the issues that, you know, are really lying in the data. Um, uh, you know, that's one thing that I really uh, always, you know, uh, wanted to, uh, to, to find and to, you know, find solutions to that. You um you were truly a lifelong industry leader um and 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 DuPont so going as you say from a bench scientist to to ventures first of all I guess what attracted you to the space in general and DuPont in uh, in particular yeah you know 
you know, I think, you know, as I listened to some of the uh, former podcasts, you know, I'd really, you know, when I left Purdue, I never really had a um, idea of what my career was going to look like. And so DuPont, you know, I knew was an extremely diverse um, company in the area of technical areas. Um, the ability to move from the scientific world to the business world was there. And so that really intrigued me. And, you know, one of the, um, you know, and for me, um, I wanted my career to evolve. And, you know, I knew, you know, you need the depth of a particular area. And so the, you know, my years as a bench chemist in the crop protection area um, really gave me the understanding of, you know, what DuPont you know, uh, was looking for uh, in their science and and how we interacted with regulatory agencies and other and our customers. And so for me, you know, that was a great learning. And then as I moved along and, you know, became um, the managing director for DuPont Ventures, you know, that was the 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 highlight and the fun part, because to me, I enjoyed really working with you know, startups. But if you told me that in 91, that I would be a, you know, a managing director of a, a venture firm in a, cor in a corporation, I probably would have thought you're, you know, you were crazy. And so, so for me, that was really, you know, the evolution of, you know, opportunities that came along and, you know, taking that risk and, you know, and, and trying something different. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, you, so, you know, when I look at your work heading up licensing, which, by the way, included both in and licensing and not licensing, that really puts you at the forefront of a of a wave of you know at least then new outside in innovation models. Um, and so, what were some of the key wins at the time, both for Dupont and your startup ecosystem? Yeah, of course. You know, you know, in licensing, you know, technology coming in is you know pretty straightforward, and we had the technology teams inside that would take care of that uh, that in licensing um, agreement. However, you know, the out licensing of technology that was developed within you know CR and D that you know Dupont wasn't going to commercialize. Uh, to me, that was always interesting to find partners. Um, you know, you know. To license that technology, uh, for me, you know, if we weren't going to develop it or commercialize it, um, then you know, there, there's there there are people out there, you know, startups, and that's where I was really introduced into the startup world. Um, you know, you know, had the um, the fortitude and also the the enthusiasm to take you know the the research and the the commercial potential forward, and so. A lot of the times, especially with startups, I would work with them to help them um, execute the commercial product. Um, and that to me was extremely rewarding. And this was just not a, uh, a you know, here, here's the deal and off you go. Uh, to me, it made sense that, you know, the sooner they uh, the you know the startup um, you know the uh, of the license um, started making money the sooner we would be making money and so the partnerships there were a lot of fun um, really enjoyed um, working with them their their energy and their willingness to uh, to pivot um, um, you know after being in a corporate world at that point for you know uh, over ten plus years. Uh, it was nice to see the the movement of uh, for you know of technology moving forward and the commercialization going forward. And so you know to me that was really um, you know uh, 
you know, energizing and it was really a nice intro to the startup world. You know, in some sense, what you just described there is exactly what a lot of corporate venture capitalists do. And so it's all it, it's usually less about financial return, more about synergies, uh, strategic alignment, if you will, sponsorship. And and that does flow both ways. So I loved all the words you used all the way up, including pivot in the sense that you were already well engaged. So when you, I, I think it was about 2016 when you became the managing director for DuPont Ventures, in some sense, you already were, had, had pretty good traction, I guess, in terms of, uh, you know, being able to align these startups to what DuPont was looking to do. What was your inspiration to create this new team and capability at the time? Yeah, it was an opportunity that that just opened to me. Um, great question. It, you know, Dow um, uh, merged with Dupont at that point, and uh, Dupont Ventures was going to be split into two: one to go with the ag businesses, and the remaining one would be with Dupont. And um, you know, they didn't have a leader for that, and I threw my hat in and really said, you know, there's. You know the four businesses there really you know needed to you know tap that external uh, startup ecosystem and to me that was something that was really missing and you know I wanted to change the old process which was more you know throwing startups over the wall and put you know pushing them up the hill um, I really wanted to figure out what was the cause of this you know, um, friction of working with startups, you know, within DuPont. And, you know, the largest concern was, you know, working with startups is very risky. And, you know, I heard that across the board when I, you know, went out and, uh, you know, you know, listened to my customers. And so, you know, to me, I knew I had to de-risk the process. I had to figure out, you know, what would make the the business is more comfortable working with the external ecosystem. Um, and so, you know, to me, that was the start of, you know, the entire process of, you know, bringing everything together that I've learned, uh, you know, prior, you know, in my prior experiences and, you know, and coming out with a product that, you know, a lot of people kept saying, God, DuPont Ventures is like a startup because you guys keep pivoting. And, you know, we did. We we pivoted a lot in the first couple of years um, um, just because we were learning as we were going on what worked, what didn't work and what didn't work. We, you know, we kept we kept changing and improving, you know, based on you know our customers, um, your responses. Well, certainly some things must have worked because I see several solid exits, including an IPO among your portfolio. So there was a what, Chromogenics, Oxymem, uh, Zyphos Biosciences, just to name three examples. What, what did you look for in the startups in which you were investing at the time? Yeah, the big thing, you know, Ken, great, you know, great question. To me, the, you know, you know, Zyphos, which is one that, you know, was acquired, you know, was really an interesting, um, um, you know, startup because it, it started from a um, uh, Avid Bionics that split into two, Zyphos and Phylum uh, Bioscience. And Zyphos, you know, when they got acquired, really showed, you know, us that, you know, it is worth working with startups. I mean, the financial returns were phenomenal. Um, but, you know, and even Oxymem, you know, where, you know, we, you know, were working with them, de-risking with them and, you know, ended up that we acquired them ourselves. And so, you know, to me, I think, you know, when I look at, you know, what I look for in a startup is, you know, 
to connect the what in the business. So, you know, the what, you know, uh, it's a capital what <laughs> to me. That's the important piece of anything that, you know, we were doing is understanding what the business needed. And I'll talk more, in, you know, later on in this uh, in this podcast. But, you know, finding that, you know, understanding that what and finding that solution fit you know, in the startup, that was really the number one piece. And the second piece that, you know, we always looking for in startups is the startup team. Um, the management team, to me, uh, can make it or break, you know, a, you know, a commercialization of a technology. And so for, for me and the team, you know, we, um, you know, did due diligence from the moment we started with the startups all the way, you know, down the path. Um, and in one of the early knockouts were, you know, this is just a technology play this there, you know, there is not a, a commercial <laughs> uh, bone in any of these, um, uh, you know, the members of the startups. And so, to us, that would be a very difficult path forward, um, you know, and would put a lot more, you know, that would, you know, increase risk on our end. And so, so those are the two things we really looked at, you know, connecting the what um, and, you know, the people and the team. Mm. You, um, you had the, a great observation platform in the sense that you uh, DuPont was right in the middle of a number of your peers who were also trying different industry innovation and, and investment approaches. One might say they were pivoting as well, but I believe the whole industry was kind of searching for the best way to innovate outside the you know four walls of the company. What were some of the trends that you saw along the way and how corporations manage external innovation and what models i guess particular did you see working yeah you know th that to me you know ken is a very tricky question because you know and you might ask why why do i say that and you know to me i think every corporation has a different process in place um and they have different stages of you know um of evolution on their you know innovation you know ladder and to me I think what people try to do is, you know, work on the the hows. You know, for example, you know, the hackathons, the internal accelerators, the incubators. Um, they're great tools, but again, they all are the hows. I think where we're seeing success in you know working with the external innovation um, uh, um, ecosystem is you know when people have figured out what the what is that the business needs. So corporate you know venture world you know to me is very much a different beast than the VC world, and so for me it really is a. Um, area where you know you're looking at you know you know trying to figure out what that what is you know what is the concern what is missing what are you looking for and so once you know that what any process you put in place can you know you know has a better chance of success and so the, you know the toolbox we have out there for innovation I think is huge and you know I, I agree the execution of the how is very important but I think the ones that work the best and I've seen that you know across different corporations in the groups that I were you know was in there is not one solution to you know that will um, that will you know produce success for everybody. I think you really need to understand your your corporation, what will work, what won't work, and then build a process you know around that. You know, figure out the what to make the how. 
So let's let's take it down into the the a process. I think that you really helped develop and continue, and that is this lean partnership uh, process. Can you tell us a little bit about the concept and the value you've seen created with it? Absolutely. Yeah. To me, it was all about the risking of the partnerships, and so you know. In hard, you know, in the hard technical areas that we were in, this is a must before entering any agreements. In my eyes, I, I think it was foolish for anybody to, you know, go into a JDA or commercialization agreement or even an investment without understanding, you know, you know, or de-risking the critical uncertainties. And so, you know. First thing, you got to define the what. What is the business missing? What, you know, not at the 30,000 level feet, right at ground level. There has to be, you know, um, extremely deep discussions here, and they don't have to be long. For example, uh, one of um, our groups in um, in cybersecurity came to us, and we were sending them startups, but, you know, great startups, but no, we got a lot of no's. And so we finally pulled them in and said, okay, what didn't you like about this? And you know, what are you looking for? What well, within 30 minutes, we had the answer. And then we were able to send them the startups that would actually help them get to a solution for the problems that they were having. And so, you know, when you say cybersecurity, yeah, you look at, oh my gosh, it could be almost anything. But when you really got down to it, there were four areas that was really painstaking um, you know, issues for that group. And once we understood what they needed, the what, we were able to then send them great startups and they're working with several of them right now. Um, so the what is extremely important, the de-risking. And so before entering agreements, you know, doing proof of concepts, um, knocking out the critical uncertainties there um, is a, it, you know, to me is something that is so simple to do, but it's always, you know, you know, many times overlooked. You know, they're fast, six to eight weeks in the life sciences. It took a little bit longer. It could take, you know, six to eight months uh, because it's the life sciences. You know, they're relatively inexpensive, you know, somewhere as cheap as $10,000 all the way up to 150000 But you're still not spending the millions you are when you're doing upfront fees in any of the, you know, the, the agreements. So, you know, POCs to me, proof of concepts, are an extremely important tool for de-risking any uh, partnership that you have or you're going to be having with a startup. Now, while the technical is being de-risked, our team did a lot, you know, the ventures team did a lot on the finance and the and the team, you know, and working with the team. It gave us a little bit more time one-on-one -on -one with the, the, you know, the founding teams and also, you know, making sure that, okay, yes, they have, you know, the solid runway, you know, they have a great, you know, um, you know, the, the people in there, are, you know, yes, they are business driven. You know, to me, anytime working with a, a, you know, a startup, you need to have a commercial product in mind here. This is not an academic, you know, arena where we're just going to keep developing and developing. You know, we need to get a product out soon because that I think is one of the clear signs of a good startup is when they can commercialize. And then, you know, we also ran into, you know, we had some startups that had some great POCs, but they didn't move forward. And so we asked the question why. And a lot of times it was, didn't understand the market space. This technology was so unique and so new. You know, what is the market going to be? And so we had to do POVs, proof of value. Um, and so, you know, you know, 
really define what the market space looks like and the commercial pathways. And so both of those tools are great to, you know, tools to de-risk your partnerships before you get into any of the five agreements possible or any combination thereof of investments, commercial agreements, sourcing agreement, licensing agreement, or you know the JDAs, the joint development agreements. And so for us, it was really, you know, lean partnerships really came out of, you know, working very quick, quickly with the startups, figuring out can they do it? It, or not, can they work with us or not? Can we work with them? You know, uh, vice versa. I mean, it was a mutual um, partnership. And so, you know, it gave us a nice understanding of the startup before we even went out for the five agreements. And so, um, you know, that to me was the the value of, you know, creating something like, you know, this this lean partnership. You know, I think a lot of this goes back, I would say, to your your licensing background, you know, in and out licensing and and specifically having to incubate if you know, I hate to use the term, but you know, maybe yeah. large eye incubate these companies. How how scalable was that model? I I could see you certainly doing it with like a series B startup. Would it scale down to let's say like a, a seed style company? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, under, you know, uh, me, you know, during my days of the managing director role, um, yeah, we did seed investments all the way up to A and B series investments and follow on investments. And um, the seed investment we did, did this, we had to de-risk it, even though it was really early, you know, parts of it, you know, you need to ask, what is the critical uncertainty? And, you know, it's not, Again, just like the what, it can't be so broad that everything knocks it out. You know, there are certain critical uncertainties that any technology brings forward. And, you know, if that doesn't come true, then, you know, it's going to get knocked out. And so I think, you know, even with our seed investment, that was something that was extremely tested. Um, But again, you know, for the amount that we did on that seed investment, I think the POC should reflect uh, the amount of money you're investing, or you know the value of the of the agreements you're putting in place. Mm-hmm. The um, you you know what's interesting about this conversation is that when I think about the let's see uh, corporate venture capital or corporate development groups that we deal with, people will often uh, leaders there will often identify themselves as I'm a corporate venture capitalist or I I'm a head of M and A or integration or you know uh, let's say a, a strategic partnerships etc. And what we've seen is there's a there actually a spectrum. It's all external partnering in some sense that uh, even commercial agreements could be one end of that spectrum, and you move up to potential, uh, as you say, you know, joint development agreements, uh, investment uh, in terms of equity investment, uh, joint ventures, and then ultimately, you know, if you really want to consummate the marriage, you know, you get married at the end of the day, right? And 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 I've seen this play out much more in uh, how particularly Japanese companies, but generally I think is more the, uh, the uh, I'd say Asian corporate mentality in that you take a step at a time to develop the relationship over time. You don't just go out and acquire the company per se, right? And so I think your idea of lean partnering is pretty interesting because it, it, it it's meta to 
just investing or meta to just acquiring or meta to, you know, developing. All of those are, as I think you said earlier, kind of arrows in your quiver in some sense, right? And you choose the right one depending on the partnering that you want to do. So I think it's a very powerful concept. And uh, and again, I think it it feels like it, it, it emerges largely because of the early work that you guys or that you did particularly on the on the licensing having to help you know a, a lot you know step in and really help align these companies so uh, i think it's it's a great concept so i guess you know one of the questions that i'm sure is on the on the minds of of the listening audience is you know what uh, what's next for you frank yeah, I, you know, um, somebody wise told me, um, Ken, um, that, you know, you know, your career is a you know, jar of stones and you have big stones stones. And, uh, you know, so I'm filling up my jar at this, you know, um, you know, um, at this time. And so I'm doing a lot of um, advising uh, for um, accelerators, incubators, uh, VCs, um, FedTech and Surge, uh, Supercharge. Um, or two that, you know, I'm helping, you know, define, you know, what will work with corporates, what won't. Um, and then also, you know, being advisor to, you know, to startups. But, I you know, I think in the long term, you know, I'd like to find a place where I can connect and solve the business, you know, um, issues and concerns um, with the external ecosystem. And to me, you know, like I said earlier, that was really the fun part of, you know, of of that um, experience I had as the managing director for DuPont Venture was really, you know, understanding the business and finding solutions outside and bringing them in. And so, you know, to me, that was really, um, you know, an excitement, you know, every time I would come back from California where we had a West Coast office, you know, my boss here would say, Frank, you need to get off the ceiling. And uh, it, it's it's that excitement that you see, you know, when you're working with startups, um, you know, can really, you know, sometimes blind you. But, you know, we had strong what's we had very the what's very well defined. And so, you know, I, I think that, you know, that to me, you know, is something that, you know, I would like to do again. And I think you'd be quite well at it. In in, in the age of, uh, uh, I understand it's almost a trillion dollars in dry powder sitting among private equity, at least in North America. Um, and of course, the uh, phenomena of, of SPACs now, which everybody is talking about, um, so much of the same kind of lean partnering approach in terms of, uh, of finding the companies, uh, you know, helping to develop the companies ultimately, uh, you know, in ingesting cash and such. Uh, it seems to me that you are you are a hot commodity one way or another. So, uh, you know, well placed at the right time, shall we say? So. Um, as digital industry investors, you know, we we always like to know what startups you see as the ones to watch. Yeah, I have a couple. Uh, Dispel. Um, uh, shout out to Ian uh, in New York. Um, he, uh, graduate from Yale. He was just amazing. Um, remote access tools that you know he can you can connect securely and quickly um, to operators in their networks. Uh, to me, he blew me away. Um, he blew our, our our whole IT organization away. Um, so Dispel is one that I you know keeping my eyes on and you know um, also you know, being a uh, Chemical Angels Network uh, member now, um, you know, would be one that I would definitely would want to invest if, if you know, if the investments, uh, you know, in the reality of, you know, the money that I could afford at this point. So um, 
phenomenal, phenomenal startup. Opal AI was the other one that really was a wow. Um, just they they're the ones that um, you know help a data scientist discover you know, uh, you know, help the data science in their discovery timelines. And so, um, you know, especially on the East Coast where we have the problem of, you know, um, keeping data scientists, um, you know, because uh, they all flee to either Toronto or to uh, the to the Valley. Um, you know, for us, we had to make sure that they had the tools there that would be make them extremely efficient. And so, um, extreme, you know, the you know, Opal AI team really optimizes, you know, the discovery process of you know um, of our data scientists. Really, really enjoyed working with them. And then, you know, on the business decision end, you know, it's always been interesting to me, you know, how to do that better, um, you know. A business decision is only as good as you know the data you give it, plus the data you can get through. I mean, sometimes you have so much data that you can't see the the you know the information in there. And uh, Prevedir was amazing on that front, and so um, really enjoyed working with them. You know, others, PeopleFlow, Quid, loved working with Quid and Learning Pale. But uh, those are the you know the ones that I would definitely um, um, ones to watch. Wow. So Dispel, Opal AI, Prevadir, uh, uh, Quid. I'm sorry. Now. <laughs> I was writing as fast as I could. PeopleFlow is, you know, people just flow, people thank and you. hyphen F-L-O and then Learning Pale. And Learning Pale. Thank you. We will have links to these in the uh, podcast transcript as well. So uh, great, uh, great selection there. And actually, interesting enough, not any that have crossed our paths. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to looking these up relatively quickly. And, and uh, the reason for that, Ken, is uh, I think it's because we were looking for very distinct uh, solutions. The what's were very um, specific for you know a materials company, and so you know you know what you know the issues we were the concerns that we were having. You know they are really the ones you know uh, the groups that really came to the forefront here. So excellent. So in closing, can you provide any recommendations of books and or resources that inspire you? Yeah, I have, you know, <laughs> read books all the time. I look over at my bookshelf and it's getting too packed. But uh, Range by David Epstein, uh, a phenomenal book on a generalist. And that's, you know, I consider myself a generalist because, you know, even with DuPont Ventures, I, you know, the the breadth of our growth areas were, you know, immense. You go from, you know, life sciences, from, you know, alternative proteins and the microbiome, all the way to lightweighted materials in transportation and, you know, bendable electronics in the electronics industry or, you know, construction, you know, how to make that safer and, uh, and better. Um, and so, Found that book very easily, uh, very very good. Um, it's a good read. Um, Nine Lies About Work by Marcus um, Buckingham and Ashley uh, Goodall. Um, that was a good book. I even had my son read that one. Um, just you know, he's starting out right now uh, in the corporate world, and so that was a fun one. Um, and then Moonshots by Naveen uh, Jan. Uh, met Naveen during uh, one of our. Um, our, our potential investments, a phenomenal individual. Um, um, he, to me, is, you know, 
an out of the box thinker and he really does think differently. Um, uh, and so Moonshots uh, by uh, by Naveen um, is a phenomenal book on how you really, you know, how do you get your mind out of that box and, you know, think differently and, you know, look at the world differently. So to me, you know, you can tell the books I read are mostly, you know, how do people, you know, find, you know, um, the next thing, you know, and if we're all sitting in boxes, you know, which my boss said I could never fit into one, which, you know, I took that as a, a positive and not a weight issue or anything. But uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> to me, you know, I was never in a box. And I think that's something that I think really helps, especially if you're in the innovation world. So and Naveen um, um, has that startup. um Oh, for God's sake, I knew I'd forget this. But uh, he's a phenomenal startup in uh, Seattle, Washington, um, Viome. And he's revolutionizing the microbiome area right now. And so Viome is another great startup. Um, you know, and his book was really, really interesting. Excellent. All, all good suggestions. And Moonshots actually has come up uh, uh, a number of times in our prior podcast. So you have Range, Nine Lies About Work, and, and Moonshots. Again, we'll have links to these in the uh, transcription. So, Frank, thank you for providing this insightful interview. Thank you, Ken, for you know having me. You know, you know, it's been always fun, you know, chatting with you, and you know, and I really, you know, want to thank you for taking time to put this podcast together and your staff to help, you know, that you know, helping out. It was really a lot of fun. So thank you. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, and I appreciate the time you put into uh, into preparing for this as well. And the conversation has been really great. So this has been Frank Clemens, former managing director of DuPont Ventures, uh, an industry investment vet, uh, veteran, and uh, and I'd say uh, the unboxable one. So, so <laughs> thank you for listening. Please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast Series. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts and webinars, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.